down here from the great state of Florida once again. Once again, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Um, back-to-back weeks in the sun, sunshine state. I think the the last last podcast was a big hit with our first guest. Uh, I think uh, the reception was very positive, uh, both in terms of you know people thinking it was funny, um, just kind of the format of having someone else. I think was a nice mix-up too for people to want to get in and listen. So uh, all around, good experience. I'm glad we did it. Unfortunately, last week's guest is busy with work today, so it is back to adjust me. But, you know, like the previous weeks, we have plenty of, plenty of content to get to. So hopefully it will be not just as enjoyable, but enjoyable nonetheless for the loyal listeners out there. So without further ado, uh, coming full circle back from the only pick that we made last week, um, you know, the NFL, as I talked about, is a weird, weird sport to bet in the last week just because, you know, you have Rodgers played a half and then, you know, all sorts of weird shit going on. So it's kind of like week one. Week 18, or previously week 17 and week 1, are very much alike in the sense that you really, that the, the lines are all over the place, the teams are all over the place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm glad we stayed away. Um, you know, San Francisco was one that we kind of liked. I liked Atlanta. They didn't cover, um, but none of, none of which that we particularly loved. So once again, glad we stayed away. We went with Georgia as the only pick of the week, which was an absolute dynamite slam dunk. Um, You know, if you took Alabama, just press pause because, or just, just stop listening altogether because that was, that was just truly the sucker's bet of all sucker's bet. And um, I don't want you listening anyway. (laughs) Just kidding. But it was, it really was the sucker's bet of all sucker's bet. So, I'm glad that uh, Georgia came through. They didn't look great for most of the game. And truthfully, if that wide receiver on Alabama doesn't tear his ACL, they probably don't win that game. But the the chips fall where the chips fall. And Georgia won big, covered the two and a half, ended up winning by 15. So now we are officially um, through, we, we've officially made 16 picks so far through the podcast and we are at a 12 and 4 record after last week um we were 11 and 4 georgia was the only pick so now we are at 12 and 4 which is a, sh- a shocking 75 percent win ratio uh which is obviously pretty pretty good pretty damn good but hopefully we can uh, kind of keep it rolling hopefully the wave stays hot and, um, you know, let's, uh, I think we're going to try and make some noise here in the playoffs. And if we finish strong, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to take it. I don't know how we can go up from here. But let's see what, let's see what we can do in the playoffs and then we'll take it from there. So speaking of which, obviously this upcoming weekend is finally wildcard weekend. 
Now, there is quite a bit that I like. I mean, you know, Raiders Bengals to me is a bit of a stay away. I would lean uh, uh, Vegas. Uh, you know, they're getting kind of a lot of points here. They're getting almost six points now. It's down from six and a half to five and a half. So you got to like that line movement. Um, maybe. Do we like the Raiders? I think we I think maybe we kind of like the Raiders. So all right, so let's see how we can chop this up a little bit. So I like the Raiders, I like the Patriots. Um Eagles Bucks to me is a stay away and Steelers Chiefs is a total is also a total stay away. Don't like those lines at all. My top play of the week is going to be um, San Francisco plus three at Dallas. I just think that I was doing a little bit of research last night. Dallas in the uh, against teams that qualified for the playoffs this year is, is uh, if you withhold um, this past week, week 18, where they played Philadelphia's reserves, uh, Dallas is a total of two and four against teams that qualified for the playoffs with their two wins being against um, one against Philadelphia and the other being um, uh, at New England. And then the four losses, they lost at home to Arizona. Uh, You know what? Let me just pull up their schedule. They lost to home against Arizona. They lost at Tampa Bay. Um, They lost at Kansas City and they lost at home to Oakland. So, obviously, not a great, not a great outcome versus playoff teams. Uh, San Francisco, on the other hand, um, playing very well down the stretch. I don't think that's any secret. Um, just to go through their schedule, when they kind of got hot, uh, they were let's see, two and four, three and four, three and five, and then they beat the Rams, Jaguars, Vikings, lost at Seattle, beat. At Cincinnati, um, one against Atlanta, lost at Tennessee, beat the Texans, and then at Rams. So, in a similar in a similar vein, they have in in that stretch alone, they have one, two, three wins against teams that qualified for the playoffs. Two of which being against the Rams, so they kind of have the Rams the Rams number. Um, and then early in the year, uh, they beat at Philly. So that's for a grand total of four wins against teams that qualified for the playoffs this year, which is double the amount of Dallas. And I understand that it's not not cross country, but you know San Francisco's got flying to Dallas. You know it's a road game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just think that you know public always has Dallas's back. Um, and let's see with if we can get uh, a number on this game in terms of um, what the tickets are, what the what the uh, consensus uh, pick is on the spread. I, I'm pretty sure I don't know why ESPN.com isn't letting me see this. Um, either way. 
Um, you know, public usually backs Dallas, especially, I mean, they, <laughs> the last couple of weeks, they've just been destroying uh, just bad teams, you know, with the Washington game on Monday night, and then they left their starters in to break a bunch of records against Philly and all of their backups. I think the perception of Dallas is obviously way better than it actually is when you actually break it down. The fact that they're 2-4 and four against playoff teams while San Francisco has four wins against playoff teams in addition to the fact that, um, you know, just the general consensus is that Dallas is a, is a Super Bowl contending team, I think it's all just pretty silly. Uh, you know, coming off... Like I said, that huge win against Philly where they're making headlines because Prescott throws for five touchdowns, breaks the Cowboys' single-season record, Zeke got past the 1,000-yard threshold, and this, that, and the other thing. It's all bullshit. They're just making, they just make headlines. That doesn't mean that they're actually good. So what this line tells you is that at Dallas minus three, it tells it's saying to you that these teams are new are 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 it would be a pick 'em if the game was held on a neutral field and then if they were playing in San Francisco they would be minus 3 so i'm if these two teams are are dead even uh in vegas perspective i just think that you know the cut the, the vegas is telling you that these two teams are 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 dead even but I think the common perception is that the 49ers just barely skid into the playoffs and almost didn't make it, realistically. If it wasn't for that win against the Rams, they would they would have missed. A team that kind of backed into the playoffs versus the mighty Dallas Cowboys. And I think that that perception is obviously wrong, which is why I love San Francisco in this spot plus the three points. I would stare, dare I say, uh, if we're going to finally after me blabbering here for five minutes about how much I fucking hate the Cowboys is I think that we're going to, we're going to say that to make the official pick, we're going to buy the half a point. We're going to buy the hook and we're going to lock in our first pick of the week is San Francisco plus three and a half at minus minus one twenty. That is going to be our top play. Now for the rest of the slate, I think I think this is what we're going to do. I think we're going to take the two Saturday games as our second play of the week. So we're going to take a two-team six-point teaser of New England and Oakland, uh, Vegas. So you're going to be getting Raiders at plus 11.5 and Patriots plus 10. Again, with similar with um, New England a little bit. They've finished one and three down the stretch, uh, primarily against playoff caliber teams, including that loss in Miami in Week 18. I think that you know ever since that loss to Buffalo, or excuse me, I think the loss to Indy became, uh, came first. Ever since that loss to Indy, um, you know, perception on New England has been, see, I told you so. I told you Mac wasn't that good. I told you they weren't that good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that that's, that's just, I don't know. I, I think that that's all bullshit. And I think that Vegas 
is telling you that that's bullshit here as well. Using similar logic to what we just used with San Francisco and Dallas, if you put these two teams on a neutral field, it would be Buffalo minus one. So, again, we're getting a situation where Vegas is evaluating these two teams at basically even, but if you lump them into a two-team teaser, you're, <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting New England at plus 10 with a Vegas evaluation of, a team, of them playing a team that's their equal, more or less. So I really like the Patriots. Um, you know, truthfully, mm, I'm trying to make up my mind here because truthfully, I like, I really like New England just straight up. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna I like I like the Raiders too. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and keep rolling with this. So. Um, again, with the one and three in Buffalo, you know, finally coming through and winning the division, I just think that the Patriots are getting completely undervalued here. Uh, well, not undervalued; they're correctly valued, but I think, um, you know, the perception of of them is is critically undervalued. So, uh, a lot of boneheads are going to be riding the Bills here, is my assumption. So, love New England plus ten, Raiders. I don't think anybody actually believes that they're good. I would be hard-pressed, except for maybe the players. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if their fans actually think that they're any good. But with that said, I think that after Cincinnati beating Kansas City, that perhaps the per- uh, perception of them is now overvalued. I don't know... You know what? I don't know exactly what to make of them. Um, you know, in the last three games, they uh, went at Denver and won kind of an ugly one. That was the game that Bridgewater got hurt. Who knows if they win that game, if Bridgewater stays in there. They won at Denver 15-10. Then they beat the crap out of the Ravens. That was when Joe Burrow threw for all those yards and all those touchdowns. And then they beat the Chiefs. In kind of a nail-biter. And then last week didn't count because none of their guys really played. But if you just take away those last two games, the one against the Ravens where Joe Burrow went bonkers and then he kind of went bonkers again against the Chiefs, if if you just go back to the previous six or so games before that, this team is like kind of, kind of not that good. Let's go back. So let's start with the Denver game. They win an ugly one at fifteen at, at Denver 15-10. They lose at home to San Francisco. They get blown out at home against the Chargers, who didn't make the playoffs. They blew out Pittsburgh, and they won big at Oakland. They lost. They got crushed at home against the Browns, and they lost at the Jets. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... One, two, three. Yeah. So in their last seven games prior to um, Joe Burrow going nuts for a two-game stretch, the previous seven games before that, they were three and four with some obvious bad losses there. So recency bias tells you that Cincinnati is an offensive juggernaut, but 
the reality of the situation is that <laughs> maybe they're just they're just inconsistent. I I don't know because obviously they have talent, but the talent seems to be put on display a bit more randomly than I think people would be willing to admit. And to the point, they won at Vegas 31-13. So that's obviously covering a big-time spread there. And now they're home against Vegas. I think a lot of, another foolish mistake by the common man would be, well, you see, they won at Vegas 32-13, so they're going to blow the doors off of them at home. I think that that's... Well, like I just said, that's that's foolish thinking. Because <laughs> similar to, I had a bit of uh, some conversations with people about the college football national championship. And they're like, well, you know, I don't know if I could wrap my head around betting against Saban. Like Saban justifies the odds, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, do you really not think that odds makers know that Nick Saban is a good football coach and runs a good football program? Like, of course they do. <laughs> like, that's asinine. So you think you're going to pull a fast one on Vegas by looking through Cincinnati's schedule and seeing that they've already beaten this team handily and thinking that it's just automatically going to happen again? No. That's, that's, that's just stupid. So we're going to take the flip side of that and say Vegas hangs in there we're going to add the six points to them, too. Uh, they probably bounce back. you got to imagine. I mean, I, I, I've i seen, you know, Vegas is weirdly, I guess maybe not weirdly because now it's Vegas. But, um, you know, they've played in a lot of primetime games this year. And so I've seen Derek Carr play probably more than I would like to. Guy is good, man. I I I, uh, I am definitely a firm believer in that. Guy can can ball. Like he has some plays that are like re- like pretty wow plays. Guy's really underrated quarterback, and you know for what they've done this year, Waller being injured. Um, you know, obviously the thing with Rugs and the thing with Gruden, and you know if you just look at that roster, like you don't other than other than Waller. I mean, these are not, like, talented guys. And Renfro, too, has turned into a stud, for sure. Can't can't discredit that. But this guy is not playing with elite talent, skill position players around him. And he is just going out there and just balling out. He threw for almost 5,000 yards this year. I, I have a lot of respect for that guy. And, and I think that people lost lost it for whatever reason. This guy was once upon a time an MVP candidate and the front runner to win an MVP. So, you know, I think he, even though this is his first playoff start, because the last time they made the playoffs, he was injured, there's also Burrow's first playoff start. Cincinnati has won a playoff game since 1990. Joe Burrow's a second-year player. Derek Carr has obviously been around a long time. Uh, I'm going to put my faith more, a little bit more in his, in his basket, just because he is a Wiley veteran. Um, you know, I don't know if Cincinnati Cincinnati is you know going to coach circles around Vegas. Uh, you know, I just I don't know. the The fact that we could potentially get eleven and a half here while the the Cincinnati bandwagon is on fire, where you have people like Drew Brees uh, 
going on national television saying they might win the Super Bowl, I think is a little that that's a little that's a bit of a stretch. So we're gonna go with San Francisco as the top play, and then the number two play is going to be um, Raiders plus eleven and a half, Patriots plus ten, two team six point teaser. Both those games are on Saturday, so hopefully at least the first leg doesn't lose, so you have at least a chance at both games to um, pay for your entertainment for the day a little bit. Also, something I'm noticing quickly about the Patriots-Bills game, it's supposed to be two degrees in (laughs) Buffalo on uh, Sunday night. So I think that obviously kind of favors the Patriots as well. Um, And then our third pick of the week, we're going to go with... uh, we're going to go with uh, Arizona plus four at the Rams. The Rams finished five and one down the stretch. Obviously very good, but I think it is one of the most uninspiring five and one stretches I can remember in all of my years watching football. Um, you know, they went through that three-game st- uh, losing streak in the middle of the year, Titans, Niners, Packers. Then they won at home versus Jacksonville. Then they won at Arizona. They won at home versus Seattle, at Minnesota, at Baltimore. And then they finally lost this past week against San Francisco at home. Let me go through some of these games. They went at Baltimore and won by one point with a walk-off, basically a walk-off Odell Beckham touchdown 20-19 versus Tyler Huntley. And there was a stretch there where Tyler Huntley was competing with some good teams. But more recently, Baltimore's been getting embarrassed. So, I don't know. I mean, if Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career is able to go into Baltimore and win by more than one point, I don't know. That that's, that to me is an ugly win. They won at Minnesota, somehow scored 30 points in a game where Matt Stafford threw three interceptions. That's because Kirk Cousins gifted them a thing or two as well. But they won at Minnesota in a game where Matt Stafford played like shit, and Minnesota isn't even a playoff team, and they kind of struggled to pull 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 away in that one as well. So is that really a quality win? Eh. Depends on, depends on the, the... Winning against Minnesota could be a, a quality win depending on when Kirk decides to show up or not. Uh, then they won at home against Seattle. This was this was four weeks ago where Russell Wilson was basically playing with three fingers still. So 20 to 10, another ugly grind out game. They won at Arizona 30 to 23. Pretty impressive on paper, but Arizona is absolutely terrible at home for whatever reason. So is it I mean they were Arizona, let's see if I could do this in my head real quick. Yeah, Arizona was four and five at home. Eight, um, no, excuse me. Would it be four and five? They were eight and one on the road, and they had six losses and eleven wins. So, three and five. I'm sorry, Arizona was three and five at home. So, obviously not very good. <laughs> So is that a quality win? I don't even know anymore. And then home against Jacksonville. Like, come on. That's a cakewalk. So to me, the, that 5-1 and one stretch is very uninspiring. Arizona, on the flip side, finished the stretch 1-4. and four. So that's not very good either. 
they lost at home against the Rams. They got blown out at Detroit. Uh, they lost at home against the Colts. They won at Dallas, and they lost um, pretty close game at home against Seattle uh, this past week. Not, not, not great. Not great. So, why, let me ask you, the audience, why are we only getting four points for Arizona while they finished one and four down the stretch versus a team that almost won six straight heading into the playoffs and is quote-unquote getting hot at the right time? Using similar logic once again, let's take the three points away from the Rams. We take the three points, it's minus four. LA, LA Rams minus four, take the three points away to look at on a neutral field. It's Rams minus one. So we're looking at another situation where we're basically getting teams that are evaluated equally. And the perception of that is very, very skewed once again because of basically the things that I just addressed. If you look at it in a vacuum from a 10,000-foot view, you're getting a team that won the division, is playing a home game, finished the year 5-1, and one, versus a team that's really struggling down the stretch and finished 1-4, and four, losing to some very bad teams. That, to me, is a huge red flag, and when I see a red flag like that, those are the ones that I like to strike. So... We quite like Arizona plus four. We're going to go ahead and lock that in as the final play of the week. So, to wrap everything up, top play is going to be San Francisco plus three and a half, laying the minus 120. Um, I like the extra hook. I think that could be important. Worth the extra 10 bucks. Uh, then the second play is going to be Raiders plus 11 and a half. Uh, Patriots plus 10, two-team, six-point Saturday teaser. (coughs) And then the final one is going to be Arizona plus four at LA Rams. Um, All underdogs, that's kind of what we like. Uh, All road teams, that's not traditionally what we like, but that's what we're given, and I feel pretty good about this card. I really do. I really, really do. Um... You know, and and um, we'll see, we'll see what uh, what happens. The other two, uh, like I said, just stay away. I think you know those are huge spreads. I always like the underdogs in a in a huge spread, but we're talking Tampa and KC here, so I don't know. I'm not huge fans of it either way. We'll tell you um, that regardless of what happens this week. Um, going into the divisional round, whoever ends up playing Tennessee, that's who I like. So <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. But I think ugh, Tennessee getting the one seed just sucks because I think they suck. So we'll see what happens, what transpires. And um, best of luck to everybody uh, riding with the picks. So to kind of uh, stay on the topic of the NFL. Yeah, I guess we're just gonna we're gonna ride this out. We're just gonna talk about um we're just gonna talk about sports today, unfortunately. So a lot of people reaching out to me the last couple of days, um, yesterday and today about the firing of Joe Judge. 
And, you know, my response is that that's, that's what needed to happen. I don't understand why it's such a topic of conversation. I think that it was blatantly obvious that this man needed to go. So, what, you know, then the question becomes, what, what, you know, what do you want? What do you expect? This, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I, I don't think it's fair so many times to have an opinion because the team's going to end up doing what they want to do, right? The team's going to end up hiring somebody, whether you like it or not, you have no, like, no, the fans don't have any say in this type of situation. Now, for me to answer the question, you know, I, I, I have ideas of what I would like in a dream-like scenario. Like, for example, I think an obvious one, um, just based on some of the reports that are coming out already is that the Giants have requested to interview um, the assistant GM from Buffalo. Now, what would correspond with that would, would be, okay, if you can get the assistant GM from Buffalo, it would then make sense that that guy would want to bring in Brian Dable, who he's worked with for the last couple of years, Right. And I think everyone's thinking the same thing. Like, whoever has a GM coaching spot open, I think that everyone's <laughs> has that same opinion. So it's like, in a perfect world, I think all of these teams with those... with, Because I think it's more likely that, he'll, that they'll work together, so they'll go to one of the, the few teams that have both vacancies open. But, you know, it's like... Wh- who wouldn't want that? At this point, you know, Dable surprised that he didn't get a head coaching gig last year and decided to stay with Buffalo. Like, this guy is one of the hottest coaching commodities on the block. So, if not the. So, if you can get that guy and the assistant GM from Buffalo, like, yeah, that's that's the dream scenario for any of these teams. Is it realistic that the Giants are going to be the one to get it? I mean, they have just as much of a chance as everybody else. You know, when assessing the the uh, attractiveness of the job, you know, the Giants are one of the, you know, staple old school franchises. I don't know how much stake that holds anymore, so let's put that aside. If you just look at the state of the team, they, they have a, a very, very bad team. <laughs> the offensive line sucks. They spent a lot of draft capital and a lot of money on the skill position players. The Giants are the first team... Since uh, Jacksonville's first year as an expansion franchise to not have a quarterback throw for more than 2,500 yards, not have a running back run for more than 600 yards, and not have a wide receiver eclipse 600 yards. So, you know, you could point to, you know, Kenny Galladay and Tony and these guys being talented and Barkley. I mean, it's, it's hot, hot trash. It's just like the hottest trash. So it's so, you know, I don't I don't know how much stake you could put into the existing roster. These guys get hurt. Daniel Jones gets hurt. Barkley, obviously, catastrophic injury. 
Kenny Galladay has made a, a name for himself in his career of not being available. Uh, the defense, you know, as a Giant fan, I would say the defense played pretty well all year given the ineptitude of the offense. I think that if the offense played at least respectably well, that this defense would be a middle of the road to maybe even slightly above average defense. But when you get put in position time after time, you're spending two-thirds of the game on the field. The quarterbacks aren't moving the ball and throwing interceptions and giving the, 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 team, the, other, uh, the other team the ball inside your own 30-yard line over and over again. You know, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I personally think that they have some talent on defense. I like Patrick Graham. This kid Ojolari, the, the rookie, he played pretty well. Leonard Williams still quietly had a pretty solid year. You know, I think defense is fine. They need a guy to come in here and just be able to move the ball up and down the goddamn field. And that's been the, the they, they are dead last since Judge's uh, inauguration. They have been dead last in yards per play, points scored, basically every offensive category that you could have. They're dead last. So I don't know how you expect them to win games. So going back to the attractiveness of the job, you could look on paper and say, you know, technically they do have some talent. You got the two first-round picks this year. You got a young quarterback that, you know, I think anybody would be foolish to assume, like, if I'm if I'm just – from my own perspective, if I were a head coach and candidate, I would look at this situation and I would, you know, see the talent, the talented pieces, see that the defense really isn't that bad. The offensive line is a wreck. And I have a young quarterback where if I could somehow get through to him and if I believe that I can do a good job with him and he succeeds, then we are going to have a lot of picks to use around him to build the team in the places of need. I can also look at it on the other hand, if I am going into this job and I think that that guy, that I think Daniel Jones sucks, then I could just view that as okay, I'm going to be able to come in here, me and you know the GM who hired me, it, we're going to work together and figure out what the best choice is with these two first round picks. My assumption is that the Giants, both of the Giants' picks are going to be too high to uh, take one of these quarterbacks because it's not a strong quarterback class. You take best player available at both these picks, try and build up that team, see what you can get out of Jones next year regardless. And if he sucks, then who cares? Because it's the first year in your regime. If the team plays pretty well despite poor quarterback play, then you're feeling good no matter what because you're just going to move on from this kid anyway and draft your quarterback of choice the following year. And as a head coach, that's going to buy me another couple of years. Like that's that's going to be in the position that you want to be. So I think either way with these two first round picks, you know, I think the you know unfortunately the franchise, regardless of who they hire, is going to try and push another year of Daniel Jones. I mean, they have him under contract, so you kind of have to, and it's a weak quarterback class. So I think that's kind of the avenue. And if you do look at it in that vein, I think it is a pretty attractive job. Because I don't think that, you know, they're totally bereft of talent. I don't believe that. 
but they are totally bereft of, uh, you know, imagination on offense and like actual good coaching. And like they committed so many penalties this year and, you know, um, just actual like good play calling and coaching and game planning. I think that Judge would be a good coach, head coach we could debate. He's a good, um, I think he is a guy that can, you know, instill some, uh, you know, even though some of what he did was a little crazy, he can instill some, um, you know, fortitude in a franchise pretty quickly. And I think he did that with the Giants last year. Uh, but he just lost the locker room with the offense's ability to to move the ball. And then he obviously got his own self frustrated and worked up, especially after that Chicago game with all this, because they haven't been able to score any points, and that would be frustrating for anybody. And it all falls back onto him. I mean, I know Jason Garrett was forced on him a little bit to be the offensive coordinator, but um, unfortunately that's the way that it shook out. So... I think, again, any man's dream would be to get this pairing from Buffalo. I would be hard-pressed to believe otherwise. Uh, whether or not it's going to be them, I don't know. And whether or not that is the result, you don't really have a choice but to try and be hopeful that the new regime coming in is is uh, going to be good. You know? You could have your pick of the litter as a fan, but regardless of what you think or what you um, see is the best thing to do uh, is totally irrelevant. So, um, including myself. But if you want to hear my two cents, that's pretty much it. Uh, I would, you know, I like Bill O'Brien too. I do. Um... Bill O'Brien, to me, is a guy who, you know, because of his moves as the de facto GM and his time in Houston, it's kind of destroyed his reputation. But he won that division four out of six years. Two of the times that he won that division were with, like, like Brock Osweiler and, like, shit, shit quarterbacks, with the other two being with Deshaun Watson. And now look where Houston is without him. <laughs> You know, they were winning. They were the favorite to win that division every year, and now they're a train wreck. So, I like Bill O'Brien as long as he's not the freaking GM. I like him. And how about this? Let's say you bring in Bill O'Brien and you use the picks or whatever, and Jones just completely falls apart next year. Just you know, just. I mean, he can't be much worse than he was this year, but let's say he's even worse. Well, you know who's calling plays for Mr. Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young in Alabama right now is Bill O'Brien. Let's say the Giants are so bad next year in his first year that um, that they're in contention to land the number one pick again. I mean, they were pretty close. They were one win away from being there this year, so... I don't know how unreasonable it is to expect that. Obviously, you wouldn't want the team to be that bad in a coach's first year, but if they're launching a full-blown rebuild, then I think it is fair. 
And what if they bring in Bill O'Brien? And he's the head coach. And then they have the number one overall pick. And they select Bryce Young, who he's calling plays for down in Alabama. That's also a dreamlike scenario. And probably not going to happen. They're probably going to hire some freaking guy that nobody's ever heard of, just like they just did the last couple times. You know, I guess Shermer was kind of a popular name. (coughs) But between, like, McAdoo and then uh, then Judge, just two, just, I don't even know. Just two morons that nobody's ever heard of. They make the head coach. And I think, I honestly look back at McAdoo and I think that, that tenure of the time he was there, I mean, he he possesses the only winning season in the last 10 years under his belt as the Giants head coach. So was he really as bad as everybody said? <laughs> because it's gotten worse since he's left, so I'm not really so sure. But, um, you know, I guess we'll see. You know, they've already said that they're going to hire the GM first and then have the GM select a coach. So if they land this Buffalo guy, uh, you know, Chicago's looking at him. Uh, I think there's a report that somebody else had already requested to um, interview him as well. Chicago, and uh, I don't think Jacksonville fired their GM. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I believe it was somebody else. So, you know. They get their hands on that guy, then I think Dable all of a sudden becomes very realistic. Then you got guys like Flores and Doug Peterson out there too. I mean, you know, there are definitely some interesting and and good options on paper. But again, we won't know anything until all this shakes out and until the teams actually start playing again. You know, you can you can uh, have like I said, have your opinions one way. North, south, east, west, one way or another about, you know, the hiring and whatever, what they that may mean, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody thought Nick Sirianni was like the worst hire ever and then the Eagles are in the playoffs. So it's like, you know, who who knows? So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um You know, it's just unfortunate that they find themselves, I mean, they, they have a worse record than um, Houston and Jacksonville over the last like five seasons or whatever it is like that's pathetic. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's the long-winded answer on that. We have some Villanova basketball tonight. Line's not looking good. Uh, I think that any Villanova fans out there listening should prepare. Uh, for a loss at Xavier, Xavier currently minus one. Hate that, but um, you know we kind of overcame similar odds against at Seton Hall. So you know, who, who knows whether or not they decide to show up today from the from the arc or not. It's been pretty good lately, but they have bad ha- as the first half. It almost seems like they don't know how to play basketball in the first half. <laughs> um. So we'll see on that. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, we'll hit the 45-minute mark today. Um, going to be wrapping up this vacation in the next couple of days. Uh, and then i got to get my, I'm getting like a nose job. Well, not a nose job, but I'm getting my deviated septum fixed um, 
next week as well. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be like like zooted out or what after that, or if I'm going to be able to do this. I'm sure I will. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. So we will see. But yeah, I'm going to finish this up. Enjoy the next couple of days. Maybe play some more golf. Uh, go visit some other towns down here and stuff. Uh, keep getting some sun. Try and enjoy it, relax, and then uh, we'll be back in the Big Apple. And um, you know, I'll, after my uh, little surgery, we'll uh, we'll get back into things and uh, touch base and see how it goes this weekend. So, thanks again for listening, everybody, and uh, good luck again on the picks this week. And uh, let's go get them. <laughs>